Leviticus 16, I'll read verses 1 through 10 and verses 20 through 22. Now the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they offered profane fire before the Lord and died. And the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron your brother not to come at just any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat, which is on the ark, lest he die. For I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. Thus Aaron shall come into the holy place with the blood of a young bull as a sin offering and of a ram as a burnt offering. He shall put the holy linen tunic and the linen trousers on his body. He shall be girded with a linen sash and with the linen turban he shall be attired. These are holy garments. Therefore he shall wash his body in water and put them on. And he shall take them from the congregation of the children of Israel, two kids of the goats as a sin offering, and one ram as a burnt offering. Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering, which is for himself, and make atonement for himself and for his house. He shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Then Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat on which the Lord's lot fell and offer it as a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it and to let it go as the scapegoat into the wilderness. Verse 20. And when he has made an end of atoning for the holy place, the tabernacle of meeting, and the altar, he shall bring the live goat. Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat, confess over it all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions concerning all their sins, putting them on the head of the goat, and shall send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a suitable man. The goat shall bear on itself all their iniquities, to an uninhabited land, and he shall release the goat in the wilderness. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this, that the uh, Jews lived out for hundreds and hundreds of years. We pray, Lord, that you would awaken our minds to understand it, uh, why you had it done, and in what way you've abolished it. We give you thanks for this truth in Christ's name. Amen. So, right after... Aaron had lost his two sons in that they offered profane fire to God. God has Moses go to him with these instructions as to exactly what he was to do. The event that I've just read about is done once annually on the Day of Atonement. Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. We have the bull and the ram that are associated with uh, being prepared for Aaron to make this presentation, to cleanse himself and the people. But now we have these two goats. He takes these two goats and presents them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats, one for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat on which the Lord's lot fell and offer it as a sin offering. And so that goat dies. That first goat that is uh, to be offered to the Lord as a sin offering dies. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it and to let it go as the scapegoat into the wilderness. Uh, 
Now, you probably recognize this term scapegoat. It's in our culture. It's uh, a rather popular and even common term, I think, in our culture. Uh, there probably are very few adults that wouldn't recognize it in context when it's given. Now, there are many words from the Bible or phrases that have entered our popular culture. And if they hadn't been in the Bible, they wouldn't be in our culture. And so we can regard them as euphemisms in our culture. They might or might not have been in the Bible. But let me share just a few. I've sometimes thought whether I should do a series on this. These, I think, are very interesting. By the skin of his teeth. Uh, that is a phrase that is used in Job 19, verse 20. And we know in context what it means is that you've just made it. You just survived. You just escaped something. By the skin of your teeth, it's said. Another one that's become very popular in our country is the story in Matthew 12 that Christ told of a house being divided against itself and unable to stand. Uh, President Lincoln, when he was running for the Senate in Illinois, gave what is the House Divided speech, very, very popular speech in the run-up to the election that he had for Senate against uh, Stephen Douglas. And so now we recognize it as disunity. Somewhere in some way that there is this disunity that will tear things apart if left unresolved. Another one is a drop in the bucket that it doesn't amount to a drop in the bucket. That's from Isaiah 40, and that's a fabulous chapter if you're unfamiliar with it. There are so many images in that chapter that illustrate God watching over the earth. That's where the one that talks about the soaring like an eagle, uh, walking, running, uh, soaring. Uh, it talks about God looking down upon the humans on the earth like they, as if they were grasshoppers. And also it speaks of the nations of the world as being dust on the scales in his uh, regime. And also it speaks of that things not amounting to a drop in the bucket. And so we know this. This is in our culture. Another one is, to everything there is a season. This is Ecclesiastes 3, the poem there. And that has become a popular song. It's very uh, well known. And then we come to this one, scapegoat. And so we know that a scapegoat is someone who bears the blame. It isn't necessarily just that this scapegoat is given the blame. They are perhaps in some small way culpable, but they're bearing all of it in order to protect someone else or some other organization from suffering. And so they set someone up for failure. They set someone up to take the blame for something. In politics, there's this phrase, mistakes were made. Well, Mistakes were made by many people, but often only one person is used as the scapegoat to draw the attention away from true justice. So, I didn't read this, but let me read it now in verse 15. This is the sacrificial goat. Then Aaron shall kill the goat of the sin offering, which is for the people. Bring its blood inside the veil, do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bull and sprinkle it on the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. Aaron has entered into the Holy of Holies. He's passed through the veil that is only penetrated that one day, once a year. This is the third time he's entered behind that veil. The first time he entered, he brought incense and he set the incense in there to fill that room with smoke. Then he leaves, he brings in the blood of the bull and the ram, 
to cleanse for himself and his people what is happening. He's, he's making atonement for the sins of the people. And now he's bringing in this goat to make atonement for the sins of the people and this other goat that is going to be released. So now we come to verse 20. And when he had made an end of atoning for the holy place, the tabernacle of meeting and the altar, he shall bring the live goat. Now Aaron has had to administer blood in the Holy of Holies and on the altar outside using his fingers. And so now his hands are all bloody. So this is what he does with those bloody hands. Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat, confess over it all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions concerning all their sins, putting them on the head of the goat and shall send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a suitable man. Now, both of these goats suffer for the sins committed by the people. The goats, of course, are symbolic. Neither of these goats is guilty of anything. And so both are symbolic of the sins. So the one goat, though, has already died. And it's given up its blood such that that blood can then be brought in to the Holy of Holies to make atonement for the sin of these people. But that blood now is on Aaron's hands, and he goes out there to that goat, uh, the other goat, the live goat, the scapegoat, and puts his hands on that and pronounces that all of the sins of the people are now on this goat. And this goat is taken to an uninhabited land and released. Now... You might think it was wonderful that this goat didn't die. This goat was very fortunate, but now it's been abandoned in an uninhabited land. I don't think that goat is in any way to be envied. That goat's going to die. It'll starve. It'll die of exposure. It'll die of wild animals, but it's going to die. But until that time, it's roaming. It's just lost in this wilderness roaming. That's the picture that you have. Your sins have been cast into this uninhabited land on this goat that's bearing those sins, that's bearing the responsibility for them. So obviously, these are allusions to Christ. So see, he bore the penalty for our sin. He bore the penalty of the sin and he also bore the guilt of the sin. So see, Jesus is in a very real way symbolic of both goats. He's the goat that died, that gave up his life, and he's the goat that bore the sin away from you that deserved it, from the Jews that deserved it of that day. He died for our sins as the first goat, and yet he also experienced that abandonment and rejection as that second goat to be ostracized and executed outside the camp. He bore our sins and he bore away the guilt of our sins. And both of these, both of these are very valid and very real uh, uh, services that Christ performed for his children, his believers, because both are real. In our culture, we tend to honor the one and forget the other. But yet the guilt of sin is, has a very erosive effect in a society. And any sin has to be dealt with the guilt of it as well. And guilt can just eat away at people and cause them 
to be very unhappy for the rest of their lives through remorse and regrets. And yet it's that that God, through Christ, also frees us from. The guilt of what exactly we've done goes away with Christ, just as His blood had covered over our sins. In Hebrews 10, starting at verse 9, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which He consecrated for us through the veil, that is, His flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So when we come to the table, we come to be cleansed and we come to be freed from the penalty of our sin and the guilt of our sin. Both are very real. And we will sometimes think that we can somehow accommodate one or both of these ourselves. And yet, when you recognize the guilt of sin making you a less effective Christian, you have to cast that upon Christ as well. He is bearing that for our sakes. So when you've sinned and you repent of it, know also that the guilt of that sin Christ is taking away to free you, to free you from that burden, to have you not be in the wilderness, whether banished by some, uh, some uh, man or banished by yourself, just kind of putting yourself in a penalty box. God wants to free you up to serve Him completely, and so He makes provision for both. So as we come to the table, let's cast all of our cares upon the Lord, all of our sin, all of the guilt of our sin. Father, we thank You that You provide for us that these two goats are emblematic of how sin and its uh, effect can destroy us. The sin itself and the guilt of it and its ongoing effect. So we thank you, Lord, for having cleansed us of it, for having taken it out of our lives, nailed it to the cross, and banished it. We thank you. In Christ's name we pray and give you thanks. Amen.